0: Now turn with me this morning in your Bible to Philippians chapter 4. Remember, we're slowly working our way through this final chapter. We're expounding it verse by verse, trying to open up the text so that we'll be given instruction so the Lord will teach us. We're going to read from chapter 4, verse 1. And we'll read again through to verse 9. Let's hear the word of the Lord. Philippians chapter 4, verse 1. Remember, we're reading from the authorised verse. Therefore, my brethren, dearly beloved, and longed for my joy and crown, so stand fast in the Lord, my dearly beloved. I beseech you, and beseech Syntyche, that they be of the same mind in the Lord. And I treat thee also, true yoke fellow, help those women which laboured with me in the gospel with Clement also, and with other my fellow labourers whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. Let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God which passeth all understanding Shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true Whatsoever things are honest Whatsoever things are just Whatsoever things are pure Whatsoever things are lovely Whatsoever things are of good report If there be any virtue And if there be any praise Think in these things Those things which you have both learned and received And heard and seen in me do and the God of peace shall be with you amen and the Lord will stamp with his own approval and blessing this reading of the holy scriptures now my text this morning is taken from Philippians chapter four verse five it reads as follows: let your moderation be known unto all men the Lord is at hand and my theme today is the secret of living out the Christian life. Remember, we have described Philippians chapter 4 as one of the most pastoral, most practical, and personal sections of the whole epistle. In chapter 4, as the Apostle Paul, remember he's in prison in Rome, seeks to close his address to the church at Philippi, he issues a series of general commands or exhortations. Chapter 4, verse 1, stand fast in the Lord. The second exhortation was really an appeal for Christian unity. Don't let your disagreements become so divisive that they lead to disunity. Then there was an exhortation to continue to live out the gospel in keeping on laboring for the Lord. Then there was this exhortation in verse 4 to rejoice in the Lord, to be glad in Christ, to delight oneself in him, to cultivate in our hearts and minds a, a true spirit of Christian contentment. Remember, rejoice in the Lord. Again, I say rejoice as a command, even in the midst of our trials and troubles, when you're facing hard and difficult times. Now remember, the Apostle Paul is not being unreasonable here. This is not a cruel joke to merely mock us. The joy of the Lord can be cultivated. It can be experienced. Nehemiah 8 and 10 says, The joy of the Lord is thy strength. Remember, it's the very joy of the Lord. The joy of the Lord is gifted to us by the Holy Spirit. The Bible speaks of joy unspeakable, full of glory. And I would just ask you to remember that this is a, an epistle of joy. Twenty-four references to joy, rejoice, and rejoicing. Warren Wearsby, in his series, the B series of the New Testament, he entitled Philippians, Be Joyful. Hi. Well, one of the ways that we can be joyful is adhere to these commands. Hence this call to be honorable men, stand fast in the Lord. Here's this call to be humble men, display humility even in your disagreements. He does call to be hardworking. Remember every believer is a laborer in the work of God. He does call to, to true happiness, knowing experience the joy of the Lord in your heart and mind. Now look at verse 5. Here we have a call to be holy, helpful, and heavenly-minded in living out the gospel. You see, these verses are all linked. They're all related one to another. Uh, Verse 5 is a reminder that we are called to be holy, helpful, and heavenly-minded people even in our Dealings one with another. Look at the text. Let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. Now, now how do we understand it? Many commentators feel this verse is so obscure that they gloss over it. Many just gloss over the words. Many preachers have failed to to preach on it. They link verses 4 and 5 together. And verse 5 is just put in at the tail end of their message. Uh, it's as if verse 5 is irrelevant. Now, I believe that every word of God is pure. And I thought to myself, well, if the Holy Ghost has put it in the Bible, the Holy Ghost has put it there for a reason. And and I need his help to, to understand it. I've I, I went to the Lord and I've prayed. And while I can't pray uh, to change the weather in Miami, except that's his will, I can pray, Lord, uh, open my eyes. Lord, help me to understand these words. Lord, Teach me, give me a teachable spirit. And and that's what I'm saying this morning in prayer. I believe that the Lord has revealed to me there's a link here um, that that we need to understand. There's a link to these exhortations. Verse 1, there's a call to be honorable men, to stand fast in the Lord. There's a call to be humble men and women. Verse 2, there's a call to be hardworking men and women. Verse 3, there's a call to be happy men and women, to, to rejoice in the Lord. Verse 4, but there's also this call to be holy and helpful and heavily minded men and women. Do, do you see it? The Christian life is a life that's lived out before God and before men. And if people were to come and, and ask, well, well, what's the secret of your Christian life? It's something that we can share. It's something we can talk about. It's not a, a secret formula that nobody can know or, or, or share. It's not like the recipe for Coca-Cola that has to be kept hidden in a vault or for Kentucky fried chicken or for chocolate. Um, of course, the, these... Um, Industries are so competitive that they don't want somebody to steal and copy their, their recipe. So, so they keep their recipe a secret. And they talk about their secret recipe. But there's no secret recipe in the Christian life. The, the Christian life's secret is open. It, it's disclosable. The, the Christian life is a life of holiness unto God. A life whereby we can help others. Do good to all men, especially there in the household of faith. And a a life where we're heavenly minded. Our mind is guided and under the control of the Spirit of God. And as you think this morning about the secret of living out the Christian life, let me tell you three things. There's your reputation to consider. Look at verse 4, 5. Let your moderation be known unto all men. Now the word moderation is only used once in the whole of the Bible. It's not amazing. Only once. I've looked up Bible gateway that Brother Mark has supplied for me and it's only mentioned once. And it's only mentioned here in Philippians 4 verse 5. Now what does it mean? I believe that's why so many commentators and preachers have shied away from expounding the text Because the word moderation Means so many different things The word moderation here uh, Takes in the whole conduct Of the Christian life From start to finish In the Amplified New Testament J.B. Phillips quotes Have a reputation for gentleness See, in the secret of living out the Christian life, there's a reputation to consider. And that's where I got the idea. Have a reputation for gentleness. And have a reputation for godliness. And have a reputation for meekness. And have a reputation for forbearance. And and, and so on and so forth. And then he adds, never forget the nearness of the Lord. Philip Brooks, one of the old Puritans, used ten different words To try and understand the one word moderation I'll give them to you Big heartedness Forbearance Yieldedness, kindness Selflessness Possessed by God Patience, mildness Gentleness Graciousness Now when we think of the word moderation We tend to think of avoiding extremes we, we think about moderation in our dress. We think about moderation in what we do, in what we say, and what we think. And um, you, you, of course, see the adverts uh, to drink alcohol in moderation. I'm not supporting drinking alcohol, by the way. Uh, be moderate in your eating habits, be moderate in your exercise, be moderate in your views. But that's not how the word is used in the Bible. It's not telling you to avoid any extreme in what you say or do or what you think. Think of Philip Brooks. These ten words as used by him. And they, I believe, give us the full import of this one word in the Greek. It's translated by all these words. So it's a word full of meaning I know it's a strange word But what I'm saying is The word moderation Has to do with our reputation How we live out our lives Have a reputation for big heartedness For forbearance For yieldedness uh, For kindness For selflessness Being possessed by God Patience, mildness, gentleness And graciousness Maybe I get asked this morning What have I a reputation for? What have you a reputation for? Do we consider our reputation? See, I can substitute the word reputation for testimony. Have a testimony. And what a valuable thing a testimony is. Is it any wonder that Paul was exhorting Titus to exercise thyself and Timothy unto godliness. So, so we're going to open up the word for a little minute. Do, do we have a reputation for, for gentleness? For that's one of the meanings. I have to say, sadly, that modern versions only use the one word. Let gentleness be known unto all men. As if to say that's the only meaning. Now, now that is one of the meanings of the word Moderation But that's not the full picture And I want us to have the full picture And that's why the old translators Of the authorised version Used the word moderation Even though it's only used once in the Bible They knew the full import Of the meaning of the word Do we have a reputation for gentleness? Remember the Lord Jesus was Gentle and meek and mild We, we sung it this morning Gentle Jesus, meek and mild, look upon a little child, pity my simplicity, suffer me to come to thee. You see, the Lord Jesus was gentle in his treatment of others. Think of his treatment of Zacchaeus up the sycamore tree in Jericho. Remember, he's a cheater. He's money-orientated as far as his thinking is concerned. He's been guilty of defrauding others. And he hears that Jesus is coming into Jericho, and he climbs up a tree for to see him. Zacchaeus is hated by many. Some think, well, he was small, and they had to climb the tree to see Jesus, and that's probably true. But maybe he was that small. He felt, if I go in among this crowd, I'll be kicked and trampled. Somebody has a grudge against me, he'll sink the boot into me, and I'll maybe be trampled on in the ground. Uh, That's how hated he was. And yet the Lord Jesus, when he stopped at that tree, He didn't treat him harshly He wasn't ill-mannered to him He wasn't judgmental He stopped at the tree, And what did he say? Zacchaeus come down For today I must abide in thy house And he testified today As salvation come to this house Because that man repented and received Christ And made restitution of all the things That he'd done wrong Think of his treatment of the woman Taken in adultery They were going to stone her and uh, she's standing there And um, the, the Lord Jesus said to those that were about to stone her He that is without sin let him cast the first stone And he wrote in the ground We don't know what he wrote Could have been the Ten Commandments It could have been something else But when he looked up they were all gone And he said woman where are their accusers And she said um, sir I, I have none And he told her to go home and to sin no more Think about his treatment of Peter. Remember, Peter denied him with oaths and cursings. And yet he told Peter, Peter, I have prayed for thee that thy faith fail not. When thou art converted, strengthen thy brethren. It was the angel that said when he was resurrected, um, go tell his disciples and Peter. He'd meet them in Galilee. You see, he didn't treat Peter harshly. He wasn't ill-mannered. He wasn't sitting in judgment upon Peter. Think of his treatment of the children. Didn't he take up the little children in his arms and bless them and said suffer the little children to come unto me and forbid them not for of such is the kingdom of heaven. How how did he treat the crowds? 5,000 on one occasion and and we have been there in the Mount of the Beatitudes where he gave the Sermon on the Mount and and 5,000 he told them to sit in the grass and companies of 50 and 100 and they were fed. Think about the feeding of the 7,000, another miracle. And he's gentle with them. He's forbearing with them. He he treats them kindly. He, 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 He is meek toward them. You see, I believe the Christian is to be gentle. Gentleness is one of the fruits of the Spirit. It's also, by the way, one of the qualifications of an elder. In other words, don't be fiery. Don't be hot headed. Don't be bad tempered. Don't be rash. Don't be angry because you're not getting your way. Here's the Lord Jesus, the the holy, harmless, undefiled Son of God. And one of the characteristics as he lived out his life and treating others was that he was gentle. He knew how and when to display forbearance. Think of his treatment of his mother. Whenever he was on the cross and she's there And he says to John Son behold thy mother Mother behold thy son He was thinking about her Think of his treatment of the thief on the cross One of the thieves is dying He's receiving the just punishment of his crimes And he says Lord remember me When thou comest into thy kingdom And what did Jesus say? You're going to hell For what you've done No Remember what he says, today shall thou be with me in paradise. You see, how we treat others is very important. And we need to be loving. And we need to be gentle. And we need to do it to each other. To to other believers. And we need to be loving and gentle in our treatment to the unbeliever. You see, I've asked myself, Lord, is... My testimony being seen by other believers and even unbelievers? Lord, am am I displaying gentleness? Gentleness is a fruit of the Spirit. And if we're born of the Spirit, then we should pray, Lord, help me to be loving. Help me to be kind. Help me to be gentle to others. Why? Because I've got a reputation to consider. See, that's important. The unconverted will not read their Bibles. But they'll read us. And if we profess to be Christians, what we're saying is we're little Christs on the earth. The true Christian character must be seen at all times as we live out the gospel. And what a blessing we receive when we're gentle and kind and meek and considerate and, and helpful to others. And how can we do this? You can only do it through the grace and strength of God. Through the enablement of the Holy Spirit. Another one of those words that J.B. Phillips suggests is uh, possessed by God. In other words, yield it to him. The Bible says, yield yourself unto God, yield your members to God. Romans 6 and verse 13. And when we yield ourselves to God, we begin to know God's will. What he requires of us. We're yielded to his word. We're yielded to his way. And this is not a theory. The will of God is a truth that should grip our life. Think of the words over there in the uh, book of Micah, in um, uh, Micah uh, chapter 6 and verse 8. It says there, He hath showed thee, O man, what is good, and what doth the Lord require of thee, but to do justly, and to love mercy, and to walk humbly with thy God. It's not just about guidance as to where we go, but it's about guidance in what we do and and the way we conduct ourselves. Think of another word here quickly, graciousness. You see, I I don't believe it's God's will for us to be unloving and unkind and hard-hearted. Remember the Lord Jesus said, A new commandment I give unto you that ye love one another as I have loved you, that ye also love one another. By this shall all men know that you're my disciples, if ye have love one to another. We we read in first John chapter four, I believe it's verse seven Beloved, let us love one another. You see, we're to excel in a spirit of love, a spirit of being yielded to God. In a spirit of gentleness In a spirit of graciousness Now we know it's not always the case Aren't we unkind in so many ways At times we have a sharp tongue one to another At times we don't display a lot of grace and mercy At times we're not gracious in our own thoughts Or our actions or in our words Think of the world I don't get mad, I get even And how do they get even? They get back at you but that 's not god 's way that 's not god 's will god 's way is for us to forbear for to be gentle to to display graciousness to be meek. Think of the context here there's a quarrel and debate going on in the Philippi church. Either two women have fell out among themselves or two women have fell out with Paul. Remember we said that deus and sinnti and and what's what's paul's advice this dispute this disagreement, this quarrel, don't let it foster. Don't, don't let it spread. Nip it in the bud. You, you must live with forbearance, yieldedness, graciousness. Think of how the Lord treated us. Didn't he forbear with us in our natural sinful state? And the Lord has called us to salvation. In Christ. He has called us to a life of holiness. He has called us to be helpful to others. He has called us to be heavenly minded. And he has treated us in a very gracious way, in a gentle way. And and he, in fullness of grace, turned to us. Now let's learn to treat others the way the Lord has treated us. And that impacts upon our life at school, young people, that impacts upon your life at home, husband and wife, That, that impacts upon your life in the workplace. Or, or, or in the university, there is a reputation to consider. Here's one of the secrets of living out the Christian life. Secondly, there's your relationship to consider. Notice the words here. Uh, Let your moderation be known unto all men. All men. Now, if we're to live out the Christian life before all men, the unbeliever and the believer... Let's remember who and what we are The Bible calls the Christian The salt of the earth Christ of course is salt It was Job that said uh, About the egg White, how bitter it is In taste and what does an egg white need It needs salt And if you're here this morning and your life's just like An egg white then I would say you need Christ because he is Salt We're, We're called the light of the world and Christ is the light of the world. And this world's a dark place. And in this world we're to reflect the, the light of Christ. And and how do we live out our lives as salt? How, how do we live out our, our lives as light? Well, one of the ways is in sharing the gospel. You see, our relationship to the Lord is most important. And if it's going to be known to all men, we have to be in a right relationship with him. So there has to be a willingness for, for us to share the gospel. Let me tell you a little story. You may have heard the name of a man called George Cummings. George Cummings was very shy, a very timid young fella. And we had a lot of shy and timid young people in the church on Friday night. But but God called this young fellow to preach. And he says, Lord, I could never preach. Preach from a pulpit? Lord, my legs would turn to jelly and my tongue would dry up. I wouldn't get a word out. I could never do that. Of course, he forgot I can do all things through Christ. Restringly. He was relying on his own strength and power. But then he decided, well, if I can't do it in the pulpit, I'll do it in the open air. And he walked into one of the villages and he thought, right, I'll, I'll preach a wee bit. And he looked around at the people passing by and he thought, somebody will thump me if I opened my mouth. So, so he went home and never said a word. And, of course, he was upset. And then he decided, well, I'll tell you what I'll do. He had this bright idea. I'll get my bicycle out, and I'll ride through the village. This is a true story. And he rode through the first village, looked around, rode through the next village, looked around, and he never stopped. He didn't say a word. He rode into the third village, and he picked up the courage as he was driving past or cycling past Behold the Lamb of God which take away the sin of the world and repeated it two or three times And he rode on as fast as he could and looked around to see is anybody coming and there was nobody coming Years later He's now in the pulpit He's in his 40s. And he's preaching in this particular village So he's taking this meeting and this this lady he sees asked to testify And she says well, let me tell you how I was converted Many years ago, I was in a terrible state. My life was full of trials and troubles. And things were so bad, I was suffering so much mental anguish, I was contemplating taking my own life. And I thought to myself, I'll go out to the garden. And as I was out in the garden, just looking around, she says, I heard this voice, but I couldn't see anybody. And this voice said, Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. And it was repeated two or three times. And I thought. Somebody's speaking to me. But I couldn't see anybody. And she believed it was a word from the Lord. And she went in and got down on her knees. And cried out. Lamb of God save me. And here she is in this meeting. Telling about it. And there's the Reverend George Cummings. And he's there sitting in the pulpit. And then he got up and he said. Well. I'll tell you who that was. I knew him. That was me. And he mentioned so many years ago when I was a boy of 17 or 18. He was the voice of the Lord that day. And he wrote a lovely booklet called Safety, Certainty and Enjoyment. You see, there's the power of sharing a word. The the gospel has to be shared. The gospel has to be seen. It has to be before all men. If our relationship with the Lord is first uh, remember, the Bible teaches that seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these other things shall be added unto you. But it's not just our relationship with the Lord that's important. We're, we're living out our life before all men. We're 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 living to bring glory and honor to Christ. We're. Epistles in that sense Known and read of all men As I've said about the unbeliever they, they mightn't read their Bible They might never come to church But they'll look at your life and mine And they'll listen uh, to what we're saying to, uh, And they'll, they'll be thinking about How do we react in the midst of trials See your testimony is the most valuable thing you have Your testimony has to be verbal The Bible says let the redeemed of the Lord say so But it also has to be visual it has to be seen and showing the gospel at home amongst your children amongst the young people now we need to have a firm resolve with wisdom and we need the strength and help of the lord to be Christ like and i know this is easy to say this morning but and i'm well aware that this is hard to fulfill i'm not saying it's easy but I'm saying we can get the grace and help of God And we'll make mistakes and we'll sin And when we do that, let's admit that Let, Let's confess if we're harsh and angry and ill-mannered And ill-tempered one toward another This is so practical It's, it's all men And it's not only all men But it's, it's in all seasons and, 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 and if that is true Then even in those times when you're slandered by others When you're lied about, when when people say all manner of against you falsely, what are we to do in that context? Get mad? Plan to get even? No, remember we're born of the Spirit, and one of the fruits of the Spirit, according to Galatians 5.22, is gentleness, and pray for the Lord to help you, because in thy gentleness is strength. It's part and parcel of living out the spirit-filled life. And when the trials come and the troubles come and changes come and and we're faced with many challenges in life, then then let's heed this call. Let's remember we not only have a reputation to consider, but we have a relationship to consider. My relationship with the Lord. I have been called to, to show and to speak the gospel. I've been called to share that. And, and because that's the overriding thought in my mind, then that will impact upon all men that see and, and, and bear that uh, testimony of sharing. And that will be manifest at all times. Also, one final thing there's a Redeemer to consider. Look, look at the, the last few words The Lord is at hand. Now, I'm not going to make this a sermon on its own. But you see, there's a connection. If we've got a reputation to consider and a relationship to consider, then just remember this, as you live out your Christian life, the Lord is at hand. In other words, he's with us. He's watching us. Hagar said, thou God seest me. And if we were to live out the Christian life with the thought, every day, where's the Lord Jesus? He's right beside me. He's at my elbow. Then the things that we see Maybe on television The things that we think about in our mind The things that we see through eye gate And and the things that we hear Well all that's impacted On the thought The Lord is with me And the Lord is watching me And and that's the meaning here At least one of the meanings He is close to his people See he has promised I'll never forsake you Isn't that a lovely promise I will never leave thee nor forsake thee Another lovely promise Is from the book of Isaiah chapter 49, uh, I will never forget thee. Do you know that you're graven in the palms of his hands? He says again, I will not fail thee. That's what he said to Joshua chapter 1 and verse 5. Isn't that tremendous? If he's with us and watching us, he's giving us this promise, I'll not forsake you, forget you, or fail you. The Savior is with us. He's beside us. And and he's, he's, he's with us to help us and strengthen us at all times. There's a lovely little story told about an Indian brave. He was a boy. And part of the tribal ritual is when you reach a certain age, listen to this, boys. You're left alone in the dark forest in the dead of night. And you have to stay there all night. And you're told not to move till the morning. And of course there's much in the dark forest to scare you. I remember taking the girls when they were young round Hillsborough Forest at night with a big torch. I think I was even scared myself when the owls were hooting and animals were making a noise and the trees were rustling. This wee fellow did that in this Indian tribal ritual. And when dawn came he began to look around. Now, he'd sat terrified all night like a stone and he never moved. But you know what? When he got up in the morning looked around as the dawn broke he looked over at one of the trees. And do you know who was sitting under the tree? His own father. He couldn't see him all night in the darkness. But his father was there nearby. And he learned a lesson that the father was at hand. And if he hadn't needed the father, the father was there. And, and, and that is so true of our relationship with the Lord. There's the Redeemer to consider. When Rutherford was in jail... He said this, the old Scottish covenanter, the Lord Jesus visited me last night. And every stone glowed like a ruby. You see, that's one of the meanings. He is close to his people. He's, He's watching us. And that's a challenge. But could I tell you, that's also a comfort. It's meant to be a challenge. But it's also meant to be a comfort. There's another meaning. And the meaning is this. That the return of Christ is imminent The Lord is at hand In other words the Lord Jesus is coming back visually The Lord Jesus is coming back personally He's coming back literally He's coming back to this earth to set up his kingdom And many preachers take it in that way And I, I, mean, I don't know which is right I, I'm not saying that one of the meanings is wrong But, but I tend to favor the Lord's closeness to his people as the, 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 the fullness of the meaning. I'm not denying a second coming. The Lord is at hand. But I'm not detaching it from the thought. Let your moderation. Let your reputation. Be known unto all men. Remember your relationship to the Lord. And think about how close the Redeemer is to you. That was the exhortation. Paul's fifth amputation to be a helpful, holy, heavenly-minded Christian. And that's the secret in living out our life. May the Lord take these few thoughts and bless them to you this morning. Thank you for coming and thank you for listening.